You are listening to the Hill City Church Podcast. Our mission is to become and make disciples who walk with God, connect with people, and impact the world. Uh, Well, welcome to uh, Bring Your Jacket to Church Day. Um, Some of you are having some PTSD from last winter, like, Lord, no, not again. We already suffered once. Just pray for a plumber to come this week. That's all I'm asking. We need him to turn this system on. Uh, I'm Jake. I'm the associate pastor here. Welcome. Uh, Josh, our lead pastor, is hopefully on a plane right now to the Philippines. And uh, fun little turn of events for him. The guy who was leading the trip, uh, who oversees the organization, who was going to be leading him on the trip overseas today is no longer going. So uh, he's flying solo. The guy said, hey, look for a tall white guy named Tony. So... (laughs) You get to the Philippines, see what happens. Uh, Anyways, we're going to be praying for him. But two weeks ago, he started a series uh, that we're in right now called No Hurry. And he started by listing off those hurry sicknesses, those markers of that. Did anybody identify with any of those? Maybe a little too much. I was like, yikes, I think I am sick. Uh, But he started uh, the whole series based on this passage in Matthew 11, that iconic passage that we all know. Matthew 11, 28 through 30 says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And man, when we hear that, there's just something that resonates at a soul level with us. You'll find rest for your soul. Like, don't you want that? I think the, the question is not do we want it, but how do we get it? It's like, Jesus, how do we get what you're talking about? We want that. And our culture, our Western American culture, has a lot of counterfeit solutions for how to get that rest that Jesus is talking about. The first one is this. Our culture says, hey, here's how you get rest. The weekend, right? Everybody's what? Working for the week. Everybody's working. Some of you know. Some of you know. Uh, You work hard all week. You get to the weekend, and then you have two days off, which is great, But then what we end up doing is we fill every spare moment of that with sports, activities, um, Netflix, uh, doing really nothing at all, uh, chores, tasks, or maybe even our side jobs that we don't do during the week, we do on the weekends. And by the end of the weekend, we are more burnt out and tired than we were coming into the weekend. And then guess what tomorrow is? Monday. And you already hate your life. There's the weekend. (laughs) It's gone. Uh, Our culture also says, here's how you get rest. Here it is. Ready? Vacation, okay? So you you work as hard as you can all year to take those very few precious vacation days that you get. Here's a side note. 37% of Americans take fewer than seven days vacation per year. So over a third of America is taking less than a week. Is that not atrocious? That's, That's terrible. What is wrong with us? Okay, so what we do is we work and we work and we work and finally we get to that vacation, but we've worked so hard to get to it, we get there feeling burnt out, burnt to a crisp. And what we often like to do when it comes to vacation is get out of town, go somewhere, right? So then you got the stress of travel and getting somewhere. And then finally, when you do get there, your mind is in this 
your mind and body are still in this go, go, go mode. And you're like trying to slow down and to rest and to enjoy it. And then right when you're on that, right on the cusp of rest a few days in, it's over, right? And then you fly back home and you're tired. And then you have two weeks of work waiting for you on Monday. How does that, does that sound restful to you? Does that sound like a restful year? Even if it is restful, do you think that one to two vacations per year is really going to cut it? Is that how you get rest? Here's another solution. Retirement. All right? Just wait till you're, you know, <laughs> 70 years old, and then you can rest. You know, okay, here's what you do. Work 40 to 50 hours a week. Do maybe more. Five days a week, maybe six or seven. Do it 40 plus years, and then you can rest. Oh, man. There's half your life. <laughs> you just didn't rest for half your life so that you could rest. Uh, but re respect all my retirees out there. OK, where's, where's my retirees? Anybody? Anybody? We love you. We're a little bit jealous. Yes, you earned it. You made it. Uh, the sin of jealousy is strong in our hearts this morning. Um, but should that seriously be our solution for getting this soul level rest? Like, we don't rest until 40 years later after we're retired? Like, that's not a great solution. Could there be something that we could implement today? Uh, here's another one. Culture says, this is how you can get rest. Buy it with money. Oh, man, I could just rest if I could finally get that hot tub I've been saving up for, right? And hey, I got nothing against hot tubs. My parents' senior year had a hot tub, a used hot tub, that worked for 30 days. Guess how many days I used it? 30. 30 days straight, my hair was chlorinated to a crisp. I thought it was going to fall out. Um, but I love it. But hey, can you get rich enough to finally afford that vacation, to finally afford to take that time off, to finally afford that nice house with a big, beautiful backyard? Then you can finally rest, right? Well, what happens if you're never able to afford to rest? Or what happens if you financially arrive to where you want to be, and then you figure out, I'm more stressed out, burned out, anxious than I've ever been before, and I can't slow down? Our, our culture says, uh, if, if you can just get enough money, then you can afford that restful lifestyle. But in reality, mo' money, mo' problems, right? The more you chase money, the more time starved, the more anxious you become because our culture has traded whatever extra time that we do have for more money, for more stuff. And so we work and we work. There's got to be a solution for soul level rest that doesn't have to be bought, that literally anybody can afford. Here's the last one. Our culture says this is how you can get rest. Just escape, right? Just We live in the waters of escapism in our culture. Hey, are you tired? Just turn on Netflix or maybe Hulu or you know HBO. Disney Plus, Amazon Prime, Rings of Power, anybody? Um, before you know it, hours have gone by. And at the end of that, you're like, I don't feel any more rested, right? Uh, tired, open up social media, scroll through TikTok, laugh away your problems. At the end of that, you're like, wow, so, so many minutes, so many hours just went by, and I'm not any more rested. Uh, we binge, eat, and drink, and watch, uh, and play video games and social media through our weekends, through our rest times. Just a few more beers ought to do it, just a few more cigars, then oh, I'll feel rested, right? But these ways of escaping are counterfeit. It's like drinking salt water when you are thirsty. Uh, and so let me go back once again to that passage in Matthew 11. But I want to read it to you from John Mark Comer's paraphrase, putting Jesus' words into his own. He says, what you really need isn't 
a beer or a night out at the movies. What you really need is time alone with me. But to do that, we need to get away from all the noise and people. And I believe that our best solution for getting away with Jesus, for getting away from the crowds, from the noise, from the busyness of life, is the ancient practice of Sabbath. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And now some of you guys are here, some of you long timers at Hill City, and you're like, wait, haven't you already preached on Sabbath before? Yes, I have. And when Josh was like putting out the list, hey, here's all the topics for the month of October, he said Garrett to Garrett and I, hey, which ones do you want to preach on? I was like, oh, sounds of solitude. I'd love to preach on that one. He's like, no, you're, you're preaching on Sabbath. I'm like, that's an interesting choice you just gave me there. Um, and he's like, oh, you're the Sabbath guy. I'm like, I'm the Sabbath. What does that mean? And so I got assigned to Sabbath. And then uh, over the last few weeks, people are like, hey, what are you preaching on in a few weeks? I'm like, Sabbath. They're like, oh, yeah, you're the Sabbath guy. I'm like, what? Since when? Okay. I'm the Sabbath guy. I'm the little drummer boy. I, I, all these titles I didn't ask for, but they're bestowed upon me. I do love the Sabbath, and here's why. It, is, it has changed my life. It has saved my life, because you're looking at a constantly um, recovering workaholic. Like, I love work. Work is a good thing, but I'm way tempted to do it more than I should. And so before uh, my coworker and I, back in 2015, were about to start our master's program, uh, he's like, hey, we're working you know, 50 hours a week, and we're about to start doing school 15 to 20, maybe more hours a week. He's like, we should probably do something like this. And I was like, that makes sense. So we started it and never looked back. Like It has been one of the best things to implement into my routine every single week. It is truly where I experience rest. It is truly where I experience God's presence the most in my life. And that's why I want this for you. And so today, I don't want to teach you necessarily why you should Sabbath, as I, as I have in previous sermons. Uh, today, I want to teach you how. Uh, why should you do it? Well, Jesus says himself in Mark 2, 27, the Sabbath is made for people. It's made for you. Why should you do it? It's a gift. It's made for you. Why not reach out your hands and accept it, right? So Jesus says it's made for you. I don't want to teach you why today. I want to teach you how. Because I think some of you in this room, you're like, I want to do it. I want to experience what Jesus is talking about through this practice of Sabbath. But I don't know how. I don't know where to start. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. I want to give you a four-fold framework for how to Sabbath. Okay? So open up your Bibles to Genesis 1. Uh, this is also where Derek was last week, which was a fantastic sermon. Um, but this is what the very beginning of the Bible says. First verse, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. No big deal, you know, just like the whole universe, 100 billion galaxies, each with like 100 billion stars. Uh, not a big deal, right? What'd you do this week? Finish your expense reports? That's nice. God, God did the universe in a week. Um, <clears throat> Last week, uh, Derek showed us these James Webb telescope images, which are just absolutely stunning. I've been loving looking at these. And that is literally uh, light years high. It's like trillions of miles high. That's, and it's like a mountainscape in space. Isn't that just absolutely gorgeous? And so God creates the entire universe. And what the first line of the Bible shows us is that God is a worker. 
that God is an artist, he's a designer, he is creative in the, in the way that he arranged and painted the planets and crafted the lilies and the flowers and arranged the entire universe to create beauty to the very edges of it. He is an architect, a scientist, a mathematician, an engineer, and the way that he fine-tuned the universe uh, he is a biologist, a botanist, a gardener, zoologist in the way that he created animals and life and bugs and birds and plants and sea life. God is a worker. That's what we see in his word. And in fact, it says that work is good. In Genesis 1.31, at the very end of the chapter, it says, God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And so at the end of these six days, God looks back over what he had done and he says, this is good, right? With a smile on his face. You ever get to the end of a really good work week and you're just like, yes, that was awesome. Like everything just went according to plan, had these awesome meetings, got these things done. And you're like, that was a good week of work. Imagine God doing this. And then after that, uh, we get this line, Genesis 2, 1, starting in our passage for today. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were finally finished and all the host in them. So God gets done working hard. God gets done creating the solar systems and the planets and the universe. He gets done finishing the earth, filling it up with life, creating humanity. And then what does he do? Continuing in that passage, it says, on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. And so God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done. So what does he do after those six days? He stops and he rests. That's what God does. Now, this word Sabbath, you don't necessarily see it right here in the passage, but it's the word rest. That's how it's translated in this spot. And the Hebrew word Shabbat here is used over a hundred times in the Old Testament. Uh, and literally, it's, its most literal basic meaning is to stop is to cease, to be done. And so God is done with his work and he stops. He is our ultimate example for everything that we do, right? And so right here we see that he stops his work. And he not only sets the example for each and every one of us, but he also forges this rhythm of working six days, stopping one day, and he forges it into the rhythm of creation itself. And so the universe, our earth, our bodies, minds, brains, they all work on this seven-day cycle, this six-in-one cycle, where we need to work, but we also need to stop. And so that's the first word in this fourfold framework for Sabbath is this, stop. If you're taking notes, write that down, is to stop. Now, how do we stop? We're not very good at stopping these days. Uh, let me give you four practices to help you do this. So number one is this to pick a day, 
pick a day to stop. Pick a day to Sabbath, rest, and stop. If you work a normal five-day week, then you probably have like a Saturday or a Sunday off. Pick one of those days. Uh, either one is fine. In fact, Sundays are great days. You come to worship. You're filled up by the presence of God. And then you can go home and rest in the afternoon. That's a great day. Maybe that's your day. Uh, maybe you work a super weird schedule, and you've got like a Wednesday and a Sunday off, like something like that, or a Wednesday and a Monday, whatever that is. Just pick one of those days to stop and to rest. Uh, for me, I started in the summer of 2015 by taking a whole Friday off. And I'm going to be honest with you, the first three weeks of doing it, I actually hated it. Uh, by the way, so if you get to that and you're like, I don't like this, that's OK. Um, the first three weeks, I was like, if this doesn't go any better, I'm going to stop this. By the fourth week, something just boom clicked. And I was like, this is amazing. I got to do this every week. Um, so that might be your experience. But I did it all day Fridays. And then when I started grad school, um, I didn't have a whole lot of time off. And so I would do Friday afternoons to Saturday afternoons. So I'd do schoolwork in the mornings Friday, take the afternoon and evening off, take the morning off of Saturday, and then go back to work on Saturday night. Um, when my wife was working this last year uh, and our daughter was born, uh, we really only had Saturdays together. And so I took, uh, we moved it to Saturdays, and we had all that day off together as a family to Sabbath. And then now she's a stay-at-home mom, which is awesome. And so uh, we have a little more flexibility in our schedule. So we moved it back to Friday. It's a day I really uh, enjoy for that. Because I like to really, Thursday night, I get to Thursday night, and I'm like, let's party. Let's hang out. Like, I'm done with the work week. Friday morning, I wake up ready to rest, to be with God and my family. And then Saturday is when I like to do all my chores and that kind of thing. So what, the point is this, just pick a day or pick a time frame to stop. Now, second practice is this. Start where you are at. Uh, because you, you might not have the flexibility, right? Some of you are like, hey, I work three jobs. Or you're like, hey, I'm a college student. I'm going to college. I'm doing homework. I'm working part-time to put myself through school. Like, I don't have a lot of time. Well, what time do you have? Like, what chunk of time? Maybe it's a Friday night or maybe it's a Tuesday morning. Like, what chunk of time could you set aside to stop and to rest and to be with God? Because there are seasons of life. They all change. And so with it, what our Sabbath looks like has to change with those seasons, with being a college student, with being a new family, or being a retiree. Like, it all looks different. Start with two hours, four hours, eight hours. Get to that 24 hours. Just start where you're at and be graceful towards yourself. Um, number three is this. Prepare to stop. Uh, in, the, uh, in the New Testament, what you see is that the day before the Sabbath was called the day of preparation. And so the Jewish people would work hard all the, all the way through the week, and then Friday morning and afternoon, right till sundown, and then they would stop. So they would get everything in order so that they could finally stop Friday night to Saturday night. And the reality is that Sabbath isn't just going to happen by accident. It actually does take some planning and some work that we might have to do beforehand in order to prepare well for it. So here's some ideas uh, for how you can prepare to stop. 
Uh, this is by Pete Scazzaro. So if you don't like these, you can blame it on him. But uh, he writes an incredible book, uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. He talks about all this stuff. He says, maybe you could go grocery stock, uh, shopping and stock your pantry and fridge beforehand. Maybe you could prep your meals, do your laundry, run any errands, pay any bills that you need to sort before you rest, answer all your texts and emails in order to power off your devices. Some of you are still looking for that power off button. You don't even know where it is. Make plans to meet your family or community on the Sabbath, clean or tidy your home or apartment. Those are some ideas from him. That's not a legalistic list. It's like, hey, here's some things that might help you. For me, um, the only thing I really care about going from Thursday night into Friday morning is a clean kitchen. I just like to walk in Friday morning. It's just like a crisp, clean kitchen. The rest, I'm like, I don't really care. I just save it for Saturday. So whatever you need to do in order to prepare best uh, for you to be able to rest, do that on the day before. So that's the, the third practice, prepare to stop. And then the fourth one is, is this one's crazy, stop. Right? The fourth one is to stop. So this Sabbath is less about like adding things to your plate. In addition, it's more about subtraction. And so what can you subtract from your plate? What can you cut out? What can you stop doing? Let me give you some ideas, some examples for what to stop doing. Number one is this. It's the most obvious one. Stop working. Right? Whatever your job is, don't answer the phone. Don't answer emails. Don't open up your laptop to do work. Um, don't go into work. Don't do school. Don't do homework. Some of you students are like, yeah, sign me up for Sabbath. I'm not doing homework. Um, stop other work. Like every Gen Z and millennial has a side gig, you know, some side hustle. Stop your side hustle. Stop uh, even chores, even housework on the Sabbath day to actually rest. Stop buying and selling. Uh, that's one of the things you see in the, in the Old Testament, like in Nehemiah, stop buying and selling. Now, you don't have to be legalistic about this. Like maybe you're going to go out for coffee or for dinner or a movie with friends or something. You don't have to be legalistic. But it's not a day for scrolling through Amazon and like buying stuff, hitting a day at the mall and spending a full day there. That's not what this day is for. That's not restful. Uh, this one, whew, yikes. Stop using your phone. And electronic devices, that one, that one might be offensive. I'm not sure. Uh, for me, I either have my phone either completely off or I have it on Do Not Disturb, and it's chucked in my room, and I check it maybe a few times throughout the day. Uh, whatever that looks like for you, limit your time on your devices. And then this last one, stop using social media. So even if you can't, like, you know, maybe you need to like wean off of your phone. <laughs> um, stop using social media, at least for the day. We need to get out of the cycle of those addic addictive dopamine hits that social media gives us. We need to break free from that. So maybe you put it on do not disturb, get no notifications, even delete it for the day or the weekend or whatever you need to do uh, to break free from that so you can actually rest. So if you're like me, you likely have stuff that pops into your mind as you're like trying to slow down, as you're trying to rest. And so what I do is I just make a list. If anything pops into my mind, just grab a sticky note and just toss those things down on there. That way it gets off of my mind and I remember to do it at another time. So whatever that is that you need to stop doing, um, just make do that, make time uh, to rest with God. So that's the first of the fourfold framework is to stop. Uh, to, to stop the hurry, the hustle, the busyness, the work, and to actually stop and be with God. The second part of our framework is also found again in Genesis 2. 
Um, this is what I'm just going to read it again. It says, on the seventh day, God finished all his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day. He made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And so again, you see that word Sabbath, Shabbat, in the old te- or in that passage there in the Hebrew. And it's translated here as rest, as it is throughout much of the Old Testament. And so what we see is that God is our example. It says God rested, which isn't that just mind-blowing to think about that the God of the universe who created the whole thing, who created you and me, actually rested. Uh, In the ancient Near East, there was these competing narratives like a Genesis account where really the gods created humanity to work for them. And they didn't do anything. They used humans for their own sake. And actually, God says, you know what? We're going to work together, and then we're going to rest together. So we rest because God himself rested. And as image bearers of God, we do what God does. Genesis 1, 26 through 27 says, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so in the image of a working God, you were created. In the image of a resting God, you were created. Um, Pete Scazzaro says, we imitate God by stopping our work and resting. If we can stop for one day a week or for many Sabbaths each day, we touch something deep within us as image bearers of God's of God. Our human brain, our bodies, our spirits, our emotions become wired by God for the rhythm of work and rest in him. This is how we bear the image of God. So the seventh day is this day of rest. Now, maybe you're wondering, how, how do you rest? How do you actually do it? Well, we find the answer to that uh, in what God does to the seventh day. He blesses the seventh day. So God blessed the seventh day. Now, this is the third time that God blesses something in Genesis 1 and 2. The first one, he blesses the animals, the creatures, the sea life to be able to be fruitful and multiply to give them the ability to procreate, produce life. And then he does the exact same thing with Adam and Eve, with male, female, with humanity. He gives them the ability to be fruitful and multiply, procreate, produce life. And so when God blesses the Sabbath, he gives it this ability to produce life. And if you've ever stopped, slowed down, took a day of rest with God, you know that to be true. You know that it is one of the most life giving experiences, that Jesus truly does fill up your soul with rest. And so the question is, what is life giving to you? Like, what's going to be a blessing to you? What is life giving to you? And that's kind of a subjective question, right? But that's actually the beauty of it, because there's no checklist. There's no demands. There's no like, hey, this is how you exactly have to do it. Like this, God has created you uniquely. Uh, And there are specific things that are life-giving to you. So let me give you some examples of what that could be for you. Number one is this, eat good food. That's a great solution right there. Um, You know, maybe there's a special food that you eat on the Sabbath, like donuts, waffles, uh, maybe a big juicy steak. 
Maybe a cucumber salad. No, not a cucumber salad. Don't do that. Um, maybe it's you drink some delectable beverages, something delicious, like some top shelf coffee from my guys over at Slow by Slow. Maybe uh, a nice glass of wine. I'm not a wine drinker, but I'm sure that might be good. Uh, a specialty brew, or my wife likes Thai tea, uh, or those London fogs. Like whatever that is, like a special drink on that Sabbath day to bring delight. Uh, maybe it's creating. Uh, creating something, painting, coloring, drawing, playing music. You know they have those adult coloring books these days, right? Maybe you could see if you could stay inside the lines. So create something. Um, maybe read a good book. Uh, I really, and I'm like a theology nerd. I just like reading theological books. And so that fills me up on my Sabbath day. Maybe that's like sounds torturous to you. Maybe it's like sci-fi or mystery or like a novel, whatever that looks like for you. Read a good book. Take a nap. You know, I don't want to be legalistic and say that you have to, but you do have to. Um, <laughs> the past two weeks, I've like been in my chair, like reading my book, and I can just feel like my, my eyes are getting so heavy. I'm like, no, don't do it. I'm trying to read. I'm loving this book. Next thing you know, books on the ground, drool on the face. It's like, that's the power of Sabbath. It will take you down. Um, spend time alone. We all need alone time. I'm pretty extroverted, but I like at least two to four hours uh, on that Sabbath day, if possible. It doesn't always work out, but that's what I like to have, to be able to be able to eat dinner, make a bonfire, hit the hot tub, back to the hot tub. If I had one, I'd be in it. Um, get outside. You know, take a long walk, go for a hike, maybe a bike ride. Um, maybe you do some light gardening, or you go golfing, or fishing, or bird watching. Uh, on my Sabbath, I, I'm not a bird watcher per se. I don't have like the you know binoculars and stuff, but I do love hummingbirds. And so I have this hummingbird feeder I'm just reading, and it's just like they all swarm up and they're attacking each other. I'm like, this is awesome. And so uh, you know, whatever that looks like for you, get outside, even in your backyard, uh, whatever that might look like for you. The point is to fill up your day with restful activity, things that are life-giving to you. Uh, for me, on my Sabbaths, I start by turning off the phone or putting it on Do Not Disturb. And then my daughter is usually up by that point. She's a year and a half. And uh, her and I go, and we get donuts from Pastry Perfection. And she loves it, and they love them, and, or she loves them. And so we bring them back, and uh, we, I make my Chemex of coffee right there. I've been experimenting with decaf, which I know is like, you know, is it even coffee? That's a debate for another time. But um, I get my Chemex of coffee, and we eat our waffles or donuts together, sometimes both. We did that two weeks ago. And then my, we go for a hike. We hit Siemens Gulch this week for a nice hike. Uh, we hit the Green Bell or something to just get outside and relax for a minute. And then my daughter usually goes down for a nap, which means I either nap or I go outside, I read my book, I have a time of prayer or listen to a Christian meditation uh, and just slow down and be with God. And then by the evening, we're up, we're lively, and it's like, hey, we need to go hang out, party, uh, hang out with friends and do something life-giving with community. And so after a full day like that, I feel so rested and truly rejuvenated. And I'm like, oh, God, thank you. I love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this life. And I am filled up. Now, my Sabbath day hasn't always exactly looked like that. Uh, it looked different when I was in grad school. It looked different before we had a kid. It's going to look different before we have our next kid in February. That's just the reality. And so, yeah, we're going to have a son. So that's kind of fun. Uh, I'm really excited about that. 
So you have to filter uh, what these activities look like for you uh, in your specific season of life as a college student or a new family or as a retiree. Like it's going to change season to season. That's totally fine. But what, whatever is life-giving, restful for you, do that on this day. So the, f- the first three points here in this fourfold framework is to stop, is to rest, is, and then the third one here is to delight. Uh, in Genesis 2-3, it says, God blessed the Sabbath day. Right? He blesses it. And uh, this word blessing can also be translated happy. So think about the Beatitudes for a moment. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Happy are the merciful. Happy are the meek, the humble. Like happy, the, the Sabbath day is a happy day. It's full of joy and delight. And then the prophet Isaiah, in speaking to the people of Israel, talking about the Sabbath, he says, keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day. He's specifically talking about working. He says, enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day, and then the Lord will be your delight. And so on the Sabbath, we delight in God himself. On the Sabbath, we delight in stopping and resting. We delight in good times, good food, good drinks. We delight in the gifts, the good gifts that God has given us. We delight in God's beautiful creation as we step outside and are in awe and wonder of what he has done. Um, Tim Keller says, because the world is full of ugly things, we need the Sabbath to feed our soul with beauty. And that's part of what the Sabbath day is for, feeding our souls with beauty. And some of you were like, I don't really buy into this whole Sabbath thing. Oh, Tim Keller? Yeah, I guess I'm doing it now. Uh, The old Protestant Pope, you got to love that guy. So the Sabbath is this day for beauty, goodness, joy, and delight. And I don't really have like a practice for you in terms of this, but I do have a very effective method. This is the Marie Kondo method. Does it spark joy? That's how you can filter your activities this day. Does it spark joy? Yes, do it. No, get it out of here. Chuck it, throw it away, right? Does this spark joy? Legitimately, like this is a day for joy and delight. That is Sabbath. Dan Dan Allender in his book, aptly titled Sabbath, says, the Sabbath is an invitation to enter the light. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives, Without question or thought, it is the best day of the week. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, play, dance, have sex, if you're married. Just saying. Um, Sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, watch creation in its fullness. Few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it, to make it holy, because a full day of delight and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. Man, you think you want to handle, you think you can handle the joy? You can't handle the joy. It's coming for you. (laughs) That's what this day is for. So those are the first three things, is to stop, to rest, and then delight. And then this last one is, number four, to worship. So once again, Genesis 2, 3, God blesses the Sabbath day, the seventh day, makes it holy, because on it, God rested from all the work he had done in creation. So the first thing he does, he blesses it. And then the second thing he does is he makes it 
holy, meaning that he sets it apart. It's a special day. You could say it's a holiday, right? This is a special time. Now, let me ask you, when is the first time that the word holy ever shows up in the Bible? You guys are pretty smart. I think you guessed it. It's right here. You'd think, oh, maybe it's a space or a place, or maybe it's God himself, or maybe it's a person or a temple. No, it's the Sabbath. This is the first thing that is ever deemed holy in the scriptures, is a segment of time itself. And so what does that mean for us? It means that we stop, rest, delight, and it's a day for holiness. It's a day for worship. Uh, In many other passages that talk about the Sabbath and some of those hundred plus times used in the Old Testament, it calls us to keep it holy. Keep that Sabbath holy. In Isaiah, what we just read, it says that. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Deuteronomy 5.12, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. When does that show up? In the Ten Commandments, that's, a, that's the fourth of the Ten Commandments right there. There's 613 Old Testament commands. This one makes the top 10. I'm just saying, just saying, let you know that. Exodus 20, verse 8, keep the Sabbath holy, for it is a holy day for you. And so how do we keep it holy? By setting it apart, by not working, by stopping, by resting, and then by worshiping, being with God. And this is why it's my favorite day. It's because it's the day that I have most consistently and profoundly experienced the presence of God in my life. And that's that's what I would hope for you to experience out of this. John Mark Comer says, God, the one true creator God, is not found in a place, but in a day. If you want to go and meet with this God, you don't have to make a pilgrimage to Mecca or Stonehenge. You just have to set aside a day of the week to Shabbat, to Sabbath, to stop long enough to experience him, to stop long enough to experience him. So let me give you some practical ways where you can stop, you can experience him. Here's some spiritual practices, disciplines you can incorporate into this day and really your whole life. Number one, read scripture. Um, Specifically, the Psalms are a great place to start. Um, getting to the heart of God through the Psalms. Uh, Spiritual study, uh, you know, reading a a good book or a devotional, Um, praying, listening prayer, uh, journaling, singing worship music to God, getting outside in his beautiful creation and worshiping him, silence and solitude, um, just being still before the Lord, Christian meditations, uh, having meaningful spiritual conversations with other people in your life, and then celebration. Those are all spiritual practices. And those are just some of the ways that you can set this day apart from all the rest and worship God. So that is the fourfold framework for Sabbath is stop, rest, the light, and worship. You could filter everything through those four things. And that is how we actually rest. That is how we create this counterculture of rest in the midst of a very busy, hurried, anxious, worried world. This is how we rest. This is how we live according to God's design and bear his image. And so as we get to concluding today, can I bring you back to Genesis one more time? I just want you to think about something really quick. Let me ask you, when were humans created? Is day six, right? And then when does God create the Sabbath, make the Sabbath? Day seven. So on the first full day of humanity's existence, they are in a day of rest, right? 
Isn't that grace, right? That's what God does for us humans. The first day, from day one, it is all the grace of God. A.J. Swoboda, in his book, Subversive Sabbath, writes, Sabbath and the gospel scream the same thing. We do not work to get to a place where we finally get to breathe and rest. That's slavery. Rather, we rest and breathe and enjoy God that we might enter into rest. And so I'm here to tell you today that if you have yet to experience that, experience the rest of the gospel, experience the beauty and the grace of the gospel, today is the day of salvation for you. Today is the day in which you can enter that rest. And you don't have to wait for it. You don't have to be good enough for it. You don't have to work your way to it. God has already, Jesus has already done the work for you on the cross. That's the gospel. He is the good one. He is the righteous one that paid it all for you so that you could enter into his rest. All you do is have to open your hands and receive it. It is a gift. And so I would love to talk to you or one of the pastors, we would love to talk to you uh, about that. Or you could sign up uh, to get baptized, hillcityboise.org slash baptism. We would love to help you take that next step in your faith. And so church, I just want to encourage you And I want to invite you, not out of some religious burden or guilt, but out of pure joy and delight to experience the Sabbath. And I want to end with one of my all-time favorite quotes from one of my all-time favorite books on the Sabbath. It's called Sabbaths by the late, great Abraham Joshua Heschel. And as I was like reading, I read this quote aloud to myself in the office this week, and I like got halfway through and I just like, choked up, and I had to stop reading it. It's it's such a beautiful quote, but it's about the Sabbath. And it says, even when the soul is seared, even when no prayer can come out of our tightened throats, the clean, silent rest of the Sabbath leads us to a realm of endless peace, to the beginning of an awareness of what eternity means. There are few ideas in the world of thought which contain so much spiritual power as the idea of Sabbath. Eternity utters a day. Did you know that Hebrews 4 describes eternity in terms of Sabbath rest? We're headed for Sabbath rest. That is our destiny. And so let us live in. We are wearied. We are heavy laden. And so all those burdens we cast at the foot of the cross this morning, at your powerful feet, knowing that you have all things in your hands, all things are in your control. And so we truly can stop and we truly can rest and delight in you. And God, I ask that you would reveal yourself to each person here, that they might experience and encounter you as they set aside a day to rest with you. And God, we just want more of you in our lives. And you have shown us that this is, this is the way to do it. And so we just pour our hearts out to you this morning, asking that you'd come and fill us. We thank you for this day. We thank you for our lives. We thank you for who you are and what you've done. In Christ's name we pray. Thanks for tuning in to the Hill City Church Podcast. You can find out more about our church at hillcityboise.org. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Hill City Boise. We hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you follow Jesus with everything.